Welcome to Acute Conversations, the official podcast of APTA Acute Care, where we share engaging conversations about acute care physical therapy so you can connect to your profession. I'm Ashley. And I'm Leo. Today we chat with Beverly Fine and Chrissy Stein. Beverly is a clinical associate professor of physical therapy and director of clinical education. And Chrissy works at Henry Ford Hospital. Today we discuss the value of acute care residency education, the steps to developing a residency, and early, early mobility. Let's welcome our guest. All right, today we welcome our two guests, Beverly Fine and Chrissy Stein. They didn't plan that, but their last names would rhyme all together. So Chrissy, Bev, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I'm excited to learn about what this talk about residency is. And there's plenty of people in our audience, that I suspect, that maybe don't have an idea how a residency works or why we even have residencies, especially now specifically for acute care. So, Oh yeah, I am super stoked about this conversation. <laughs> thank you for having us. If I'll start, yes. if Chrissy doesn't mind, and then chime in. So, I've been a PT for a long time, and I have to say, working with the residency fellowship, say, I wish this had existed when I was a young clinician. We first developed critical care fellowships, and then after that, we developed the acute care residency. So we are about 12 years in. The critical care fellowships were developed, the initial one down at Houston Methodist Hospital in Texas, I think, to 2011, maybe something like that. And I was involved in that as well. And then University of Chicago. And then Johns Hopkins opened the first acute care residency. And we had to go through FPTA to do that. But here we are looking at orthopedics with their very dynamic and exciting residencies and sports and neuro was developing and pediatrics and geriatrics were around and, and people didn't understand that acute care was a specialty. I remember having conversations as I was part of a work group from APTA on this, where the question was, well, isn't acute care just a place? Interesting. Oh, no. Oh, no. And so part of what we have to do is convince those who were involved, who were not acute care clinicians, that acute care is a specialty, that we bring something unique and distinct and exciting, and that we have a specialized expertise. And nobody's arguing that anymore, which is very, very exciting. We are at a point right now where there are 20 acute care residencies. Uh, 16 of them are fully accredited, two that are candidate status, um, which means they've already enrolled a resident and are finishing things up and will develop their final site visits for full accreditation in not too much time. And two that have formally filed their documentation as a developing program. And I know of several others. So there's a pipeline and people are excited. And of course, to be a resident is a voluntary opportunity in PT for postgraduate education, but it has so many incredible benefits. Um, I wish I could have started my career this way, but it's kind of cool to be at the end point of my career, being involved in residencies and fellowships. So I, I enjoy it vicariously. Chrissy, do you want to add to that? Well, I was just going to say, first of all, it seems to be like this is backwards, right? Like we did critical care, then acute care. I've, to me, it's like, do the acute care residency, then go do the critical care fellowship. But I have to say, you're right. That would have gotten to me too if somebody said acute care is a place. Because I think acute care is both a science and an art, isn't it? Yeah, it's totally something. I just point yeah. me down in the ICU and I want to watch what's going on and I can't wait to get my hands on people. 
So, and I'm not clinically practicing right now. So the itch is still there. Don't worry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Chrissy, I can't wait to hear you elaborate on maybe what are some of those benefits of the acute care residency? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I come from a very large trauma one hospital, like a lot of people do. And we're finding that our new grads or even just our new employees who hadn't practiced in acute care, it was taking us a really long time to get them fully onboarded and fully mm -hmm. confident. We had a lot of competencies, you know, lab values and vital signs and our ICU competency was broken into two levels for vented and non-vented patients or stroke unit, various things like that, LVADs. We're like, well, it's taking us two, three years to get people through all of these things. A residency was just a really natural fit to be like, obviously, entry-level education isn't filling the needs of what acute care has grown into. Definitely is different practice than when I graduated 20 years ago. But so residency is a really great way to get all of those advanced practices done in that year and fill in the gaps. That way, you know, your patients are getting elevated care and the newer clinicians are getting that dedicated mentorship that they so crave. It can be terrifying to enter acute care with the sickest of the sick. If you don't truly know what you're doing, it's hard to, to give those patients all that they truly need if you don't have the faith in what you're doing. So I feel like it's the best of both worlds. It's like a win-win, really. I mean, it's like a win for the clinician, but it sounds like it's also a win for the hospital that might be hiring, right? Because then the onboarding process gets a whole lot easier now if you have somebody who's gone through an acute care residency. It's, there's no question that that is a... For sure, is a 100%. We've been blessed. You know, one of the things I think we've seen in the last 15, 20 years is a change in acute care practice, which I find very, very exciting. When I started... I always was fortunate enough to practice in acute care settings where I think we were cutting edge and we were doing things that were at the forefront. And I, I didn't realize that there was another way to do things. But when you talked to people, they said, oh, what do you do if you work in a hospital? You just walk people. And as I expressed this to my students, you know, it's, it's not so much brand new psychomotor skills, although managing lines and tombs and equipment is very evident psychomotor, but it's so much about the clinical decision-making that's going on in your brain. Should I? Shouldn't I? Why should I? How hard should I push? How much should I pull back? How do I make those decisions on a dime? The clinical decision-making has, it was always there, but people didn't recognize it. And today's acute care practitioner, everyone recognizes it. You don't have to go out there and pitch to people that this is complex practice that we're involved in. And other healthcare providers in the acute care setting really recognize our expertise and expect us to come with that kind of knowledge. And so the trajectory of our new graduates and our experienced clinicians in acute care has become very dynamic. It's very rare to see a place where they're looking at, I don't know of any hospitals anymore, where, oh, it's just ambulation. That's all you're doing. Um, so that change and the increased need to really understand clinical medicine, to be able to collaborate effectively, to communicate as a, a member of the team and to understand what's going on medically is, has totally changed acute care practice. And because of that, people are very excited about practicing acute care. I have students every year, every one of my students does an acute care rotation. So that's something that I've been fortunate enough to be able to preserve in my entry-level program. That is not the case everywhere. But they go out afraid, despite whatever we do in the classroom. 
And they all universally say, wow, I could really do this. This is exciting because they are going right into the ICUs as young clinicians, pre-entry level, and getting patients up on ventilators and getting patients up with good supervision from talented clinical instructors, passionate acute care educators. And so they are being shown what an exciting setting it is to practice in. So that then sets the stage for people who are interested in practicing in acute care and are interested in acute care residencies. We talk a lot about like practicing at the top of our license, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm just curious, like if, if for our listeners out there who might be thinking about doing an acute care residency or developing one, how, like, what does an acute care residency look like in practice? Like, what, 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 or what are the actual components and the skills that someone will gain? And how is that different from the critical care fellowship? Because I imagine they probably also go into the ICUs and the residency, right? Yes. Go ahead, Chrissy. So the residency is on average is about a year, you know, 12 to 14 months, give or take. And they're also just slightly different, but the hallmark of every single one is mentorship. So you get a dedicated time of mentorship each and every week. It's average of like three hours a week. It's 150 hours that you have to have of one-on-one -on -one mentorship time with an expert area in that area of practice. And that is really the big thing that elevates practice because they are constantly questioning on you on why are you doing this? How do you know to do this? How can you do this better? Maybe what you're doing is fine. It's safe. It's effective. But is it the best way to possibly help your patient? Other things that our residents do they're going to be doing research. They're going to be doing teaching, whether it's clinical or academic. They're going to be involved in um, uh, program initiatives. They're going to be involved in possibly management, you know, roundtables if they want to be. There's lots of areas you can possibly specify your residency to individual needs, really dependent on where you're practicing. Um, and then every hospital or healthcare system will set up their residency based on what specialties they have available. So for instance, we rotate through gen med, we rotate through oncology, we rotate through neuro, med surge. It depends where you're at and how much you get. Obviously, we have a huge ICU population, so about half of our year is spent in the ICU. But it really depends on everyone has that. So it is dependent on the specific site you're at. So if you are considering residency, it's important to find out what that hospital has to offer and if what they're offering matches up with your individual goals. And, and to follow that, so you posed the question, Ashley, about the difference between an acute care residency and a critical care fellowship. So the critical care fellowships are totally in the intensive care units and step downs. So it is really focused on the aspect of critical care. But acute care includes critical care. So at beginning of development of the acute care residencies, this was actually, again, one of the questions that came up in the work group from APTA and APTA. PTRFE, the American Board of Physical Therapy Residency and Fellowship Education. So how much are you going to give students, these new learners, these residents in the ICU? And how is that different from a critical care fellowship? The resident has to have the breadth of acute care. Mm -hmm. So they need to experience the range of core areas of practice that we see in acute care. So when Chrissy talked about the med surge, you know, trauma, if there's trauma, ortho, neuro, cardiac, oncology, everybody sees patients with cancer, not everybody has a designated cancer center, but every resident needs to have competency in managing patients with oncologic disorders. Even things like burn care and wound care, not every hospital is going to have a burn center, 
every resident still needs to have a certain level of didactic competency, at least, on burns. And if the facility doesn't do wound care per se, but we manage wounds all the time as PTs, whether we're doing debridement or we're doing positioning and recommendations about other things. So the resident has to be competent in that. But they would not be truly competent in acute care if they didn't have a certain amount of time in the ICUs. And you don't have to be in a level one trauma center or top of the top hospital to run a residency. So some of our residencies have smaller number of ICUs and less ICU opportunity. And others like Chrissy's institution, as she said, it's almost 50% of the residency. So it's really Ken Cole. I have, a, I have a question for the two of you. So what advice would you give to, let's say, a new grad that might be considering residency, but it's still kind of like on the fence. They might not even be sure if they, they maybe they finally have the inclination that they want to work on acute care and it, they're going to be applying to some jobs. But I feel there's a lot of new grads that feel, oh my gosh, more school. Am I ready to kind of continue on to more school? You know, what advice would you kind of give them for A, for those of you that might be on the fence and be how much value you had already, Chrissy had mentioned, I mentioned, uh, but also what that end product looks like once those residents are done and how much they've gained within that past year. And please, please include in that advice, because yeah. I have had students ask me this question, please include, even though an acute care specialty is being developed for those that say, but I don't have a specialty exam to sit for at the end of it. Coming. It is coming. It coming. is coming. So I really feel like, what is your motivation, right? What do you want to get out of the early years of your career? If you just want to go to work and get your paycheck, okay, fine. You can do that. If you really want to elevate your practice to be the best that you can be, I usually say a residency, this is me, this is anecdotal, is three to five years of experience crammed into that one year. Mm. That will elevate your clinical skills. It's going to inter elevate your interpersonal skills. It's going to elevate your research skills. So many things that you will naturally maybe get to, but it's not going to be under the microscope. It's not going to be pressured. You're not going to be held accountable. We're not going to have dedicated people to go to. It was a very collaborative unit at Henry Ford, but, and you can go to anybody to run ideas off of, but there's no one pushing you along the lines and kind of keeping you on the straight and narrow and constantly checking in on you and making sure you're pushing on the right path. But with residency, you don't have a choice. You're really going, you're self-selecting into that elite path to be the best clinician that you can be. Also, you're also advocating for, for PT within the hospital, what our role is. So we do so much interdisciplinary collaboration. You're automatically elevating how we're seen as a profession within the hospital. You're talking to the attendings, you're talking to the fellows, and they're like, what are you? Oh, I'm a PT resident. You're a what? They're like, you guys do that? And they automatically see our whole profession as something elevated from what they had impression before from their whole, you know, one hour speech on what PT is in med school. So mm -hmm. I think there are so many benefits from what you can do. Yes, you get paid a little bit less in that first year, but you're still paid. You still have benefits. And there's so many things that you are now prepped to do, um, whether when you leave that year, you're now prepped to take that experience and start an early rehab program at another hospital or start academic teaching or, you know, take in a management role or whatever that is that can lead your career on a fast track. Attention acute care members. The Bridge the Gap Conference is coming to Chicago, Illinois, May 3rd to 5th, 2024. 
The theme is Translating Evidence into Acute Care Practice. The conference will be focused on bringing the science and evidence for physical therapy into acute care practice. The conference will be featured in stunning downtown Chicago at the Department of Physical Therapy and Human Movement Sciences, Feinberg School of Medicine, Northwestern University. Once again, May 3rd to 5th, 2024. The location is near the scenic shore of Lake Michigan and entertainment on the Magnificent Mile. If you are interested in submitting a poster for presentation or being a guest speaker, please contact our co-host Leo Argulis at the email listed in the show notes. And now back to the show. So I'm just curious, like I was, I was listening to you talk and I was thinking, I get this question a lot and I'm, I'm always torn how to answer it. I mean, other than the financial perspective, right? Like don't go make more money and then make less money, which people think, but, but from a true like skills lens, is it better to do a residency as a new grad coming right out of school? So like, you know, you're just jumping right into that mentorship or do you get to an even higher level of practice and you kind of develop who you are as a clinician first and kind of get your feet wet and get a little experience before you do that residency. I feel like there's pros and cons to each, but I would love, since you two are like deep in this, to hear what you have to say. But Ashley, you're posing a really interesting question. And, and actually, Chrissy, Chrissy dealt with the anecdotal side of, of what the positives are from a residency. I'm going to talk a little bit more about what some of the research shows. So the majority of people who choose residency, and this is for PT residencies across all specialties, the majority go direct from PT school. They may have a few months working per diem while waiting for their residency that they've been accepted to to start. But there's still a percentage that come from practice after a year or two or sometimes more than that. So, but the trend is it's more common for the new graduate. In terms of the benefits, so I think we can look at the, there's a growing body of research about the outcomes of residency. Most of it is across all types of residency, but along with two of our colleagues, Angela Stolci and Amelia McEwen and myself, we've put out the first research on the outcomes of acute care residencies. What we know across the board is sort of what Chrissy talked about. The two biggest things that people look for and that they gain from residency right away are the a desire for that mentorship and the desire to develop their clinical reasoning skills because you've got such wonderful structured mentoring going on and they're being held accountable on their reasoning. Whereas when you go into practice on your own, you're still getting mentored into a new position and you're going through competencies. But much of what we do is trial and error and seeking out that mentor. So we know from looking across all of the different types of residency specialties that the residencies are a fast track to having that specialty knowledge, whether or not there's a board certification. So hold that thought, board certification, because we're not there yet. We, we are fast tracking toward it. The other research that we're seeing across the board is that residency education in general, looking across the, the rim, increased speed of the career trajectory, increased salaries for most people over that first five years, maybe not the first year, but definitely over the career, rapid movement into leadership positions or teaching positions, 
for those who are interested, most residents come out and they've got research presentations, whether it is at a chapter meeting, whether it is at combined sections, with We've had residents who participated in the academy's clinical practice guidelines uh, on outcome measures. Now, the residents are embedded in scholarship. But don't think all they're doing is being mentored and pushed on evidence because a big chunk of their time during the day is working as a new grad clinician. They just have the resources that that new grad doesn't normally have. And the environment in those facilities is at a higher level, because people are excited about having the residency, it elevates everything that's going on in that institution. So the studies that have been done on hospital administrators and colleagues show that the colleagues on the staff are very excited that the whole culture of education and excellence is something that's present, even for those who are not part of the residency faculty. So there's just so much. And what we saw with our data on acute care residencies is even in a short period of time, we have there were 41 uh, acute residency graduates and we had 31 respondents. So a very large percentage of the of uh, alumni of acute care residencies. And they very clearly had a ramping up toward leadership, toward teaching, toward research, toward career development all of the things we wanted to see. So it's very exciting to see that, yep, it's working. And uh, yeah. I feel like, I mean, you're, you're so excited about it and you're, you're singing the praises of all these benefits and you're getting me excited about it. And I'm sure some people are listening and going, well, I'm excited about this too, but I don't have a residency in my hospital. So maybe somebody's thinking mm-hmm. of starting a residency at their hospital. Like, what are the steps that they can take to do that? Get it, Kristen. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, go on the Abtree site, abptrv.com, find out what the guidelines are. I will say, even though we had very well-established pathways and, and competencies when we established our residency, that excitement about having a resident starting led us to relook at everything and elevate all of our things. We went through everything again. This was a great opportunity and we had great management to support to like Let's take a look at everything. What are we doing here? What do we want our clinical practice to look like? What should the baseline be for everyone? And everyone got on board. And it was a great opportunity to involve people who weren't maybe going to be clinical mentors for the residency. Some of our OT colleagues, some of our other colleagues throughout the hospital would be like, hey, we're getting this residency going. We want your input on this or on that. And they were like, you are? That's really exciting. And we're like, yeah, it is really exciting. And it was a great opportunity to again spread the word about what PT was doing within the hospital. And now we're, you know, starting residencies elsewhere, but it's always, you know, acute care was the first. So it's a great springboard to kind of get excitement going. And then sometimes our residents get to participate in specialty clinics or opportunities and their staff is like, well, why don't I get to do that? Like, because you get a full salary. Would you like to be our next resident? And so it's, it's always kind of an interesting, like, what is next resident up to now? But yeah, or yeah, would you like to join our mentoring staff? And is a free person like, ah, I don't want to do that. It sounds like a lot of work. I'm like, well, it is a lot of work, but it's so much fun. And so now people are like, well, what do I have to do to be a mentor? Like, what's the criteria? And coming out of their annual reviews going, it used to be like, well, okay, I guess maybe I'll be, try being a CI. And now it's like, I think I want to be a residency mentor. Like, okay, well, that's a whole nother ball of wax, but let's talk. So it is a lot of excitement throughout the whole department. And I've had a couple 
people be like, I got to keep up with this resident. She's amazing. I'm like, she is. So it does elevate practice throughout the entire department, which is really fun to see. I would, I would add to that, and, and I think, you know, Chris's description is right. We, through the Residency Fellowship Center for the Academy, over the last, I think, four or five years, we have done two webinars now that specifically are, are addressed to hospitals that are interested in considering developing a residency. The most recent one was last August, and it is up on the Academy's website. And it is available. So it goes through steps to develop a residency. All of the folks, myself and several of the other speakers, were all available to provide input. I consult with developing programs all the time about residencies. That's part of the job of the Residency Fellowship SIG is to provide support to hospitals that are considering. We can try to put that webinar you discussed in our show notes too, so people can access it. Yeah. That would be great. Well, yeah. I want Chrissy to talk about the upcoming webinar, which is different. But right. I think it's funny that Chrissy said Henry Ford developed their acute care residency first because an awful lot of the, the 20 programs that have developed residencies developed something else first. They already have an outpatient ortho residency. They have a pediatrics residency. They have a neuro residency. And then they said, all right, well, what are we really good at here? And started to talk and reached out to us from the residency fellowship saying, about developing an acute care residency. And the reality is it's easier to develop a second residency if you've already done the legwork on one, because certain components are the same for a single institution regardless. The curriculum is going to be the unique part, regardless of which specialty. So pediatrics is going to be peds and acute care is going to be acute care. But for those hospitals that already have an existing residency or more than one, they find it a bit easier to go through the process. For those who are starting from ground zero, they need a bit more time and effort. And there's a lot of consulting and it does take time and you have to get the support of your administration and your organization, both the financial and the timeline and, and the willingness to make someone the director of that program, mm. which is going to be very important. But there's lots of support through the SIG there's also quite an extensive support. The good news is that while I represent the Academy of Acute Care and our SIG, there are representatives from each of the specialty residency SIGs. So pediatrics has a representative, work pediatrics, geriatrics, and we have a SIG meeting of all of the representatives from the different areas, and we're doing more and more to collaborate. So why can't we use things that Noro is doing that we like for acute care or why can't, you know, orthopedics and sports do some things in common. So we're really looking at ways to streamline and tap into the strengths that each specialty has, because after all, we're all physical therapists. Chrissy, do you want to talk about the other webinar that's coming? Yeah, Chrissy, can you, can you yeah. put a plug in? I think it's October 26th. Love to put a plug in. I'm also part of the Academy of Education's Residency mm -hmm. Fellowship SIG, which is also a really great resource because we apply things for every specialties, residencies, so, and fellowship. So I'll put that plug in too. But the next webinar will be on Thursday, October 26th. We are having a residency, an acute care residency webinar. It's for anyone who wants to know about residencies. Obviously, the number one target audience is anyone who's considering being a resident, a resident. But if you are curious about maybe hosting a residency or if you, you're a faculty member at a PT program, an entry-level PT program, and you're like, I just want to know more about what residencies offer, 
we'd welcome you to join um, our webinar that night. We are going to have a few people speak about what residencies entail, what are some of the common elements in all residencies. We're also going to have a few recent grads speak about their personal experiences and why they felt that their residencies were, were worthwhile. At least I hope that's what they'll comment about. They'll feel like it was worthwhile. And then we're going to have some breakout sessions kind of by geographic region so that if you are interested in residency, maybe in the Midwest or the East Coast or the Southwest, that you can go and speak to representatives from the residencies in those regions and kind of get to know them, see what they specifically have to offer and ask some questions about those programs specifically if you're interested. Right now, all acute care programs, we don't have like a common offer date or a start date or anything like that. So there's always, seems like there's always a program looking for a resident, at least yeah. a good resident. So there's a good time to ask questions about when, when they're accepting applications. You can also look on the ABPT RFU website. There's a directory of all the programs there, and you can look up what, when their cycle runs, when their applications are, and also their contact information in case you really want to reach out to someone and just say, tell me more about your program. We usually, we all have websites as well. Fantastic. So for those of you that are listening in the audience, some of you new grads or are going to be graduating soon, if you've got some interest in a possible acute care residency, please check out the webinar October 26th. And that's for all like PT students. You don't necessarily have to be part of APTA, correct? Is that open to open anybody? Students, clinicians, anyone really. Students, clinicians, faculty. Yeah, our, our goal really, and, and you know, Chrissy has been leading this, has been recognizing that there are non-acute care clinicians out there and non-acute care faculty who know nothing about acute care residencies. They may know about residencies, but they don't know. Um, directors of clinical education who are constantly counseling students about clinicals and jobs and don't know about acute care. So we really want to get this out, not just to prospective students, but to educate people about what's out there. And, and I think the other piece that I would say is, and you brought this up, Ashley, they're right. We don't yet have board certification in acute care, but we are expecting and hoping to take that board certification proposal to the House of Delegates this year in 2024 because it's like, woo the analysis has been completed and ABPT RSE, the American Board of PT Residency Fellowship Education, has worked collaboratively with ABPTS, the American Board of PT Specialties, to create a single description so that we can position ourselves to go to House of Delegates to seek approval. And once that happens, then we move rapidly to creating an exam. So we're, we're very focused on hopefully getting that to House of Delegates this year and having an option for those who would like to sit for board certification and acute care as soon as we can make that happen. Just a quick reminder for our audience, the webinar reference, acute care residencies, everything you wanted to know a discussion with program leaders, which is included in our show notes, is being held one day after the release of this episode. So if you are listening to this after October 26th, that webinar will be available shortly on APT Acute Care. And now back to the show. That's fantastic. Bev, you, you had mentioned about moving rapidly. We're actually going to move towards our rapid responses for the, for the podcast here. But before I go into that, I just wanted to uh, bring up this story uh, that you had wrote about Bev. 
the fact that when you started practicing as a PT, you were already seeing patients that were vented in the burn unit. That was like, what, circa, what, what year was that? You're dating me. 1980, I had a part-time position in addition to my full, full-time position in a small teaching hospital that had a burn treatment center outside of Philly. And I loved it because I had loved burns as a student and I wanted to do burns and they had this weekend burn therapy uh, position. And I was getting patients up on vents and walking with them. I didn't know what I was doing. I think that's the first <laughs> about 80s versus 2023. <laughs> so, but, you know, along with the nurse and the respiratory therapist, we got these people up from the jerry chair. They're attached to the ventilator and we walked. And then I moved to Connecticut and I went to Yale New Haven Hospital. Sorry, guys, I loved Yale. But all of my patients with burns were in clinitron vents where they couldn't move at all. And no one in for 20 years considered getting people up and walking. Wow. We're doing early, early mobility. Yes, early mobility. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right, Leo, I think it's that time. All right. So we're going to set up the clock Uh-oh. and we're going to get questions. So Chrissy, Beverly, if you don't know how rapid responses goes, we're just going to hit you with some rapid fire questions and you just say the first thing that comes into your head. And what we'll do is we'll probably get... Yeah, well, we'll uh, I will ask you a question and then the, the two of you can go ahead and answer and at these turn and then same thing, the two of you can go ahead and, and shout out your answers. Thank you. And it's called rapid response for a reason. First, rapid fire. Very acute care, rapid response. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Ready, Leo? All right. Ready, Bev and Chrissy? Feinstein? Yep. All right. And go. All right. Beverly and Chrissy, what is your most favorite scrub color to wear on acute care? Crave blue. It's all I've ever worn. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What's your favorite way to exercise? Not. (laughs) I'm a bad PT, sorry. (laughs) Skating. Skating. What is on your workout playlist or your listening playlist when you're listening to music? One song. Oh, 90s R&B. Awesome. Very good. Some boys to men in that house. 60s, 70s, or Broadway. Fantastic. Broadway, love it. Are you a morning person or night owl? Morning. I love the day person. I dream of being a morning person because I enough get up in the little thing. Favorite dessert? Cheesecake. Tiramisu. Tiramisu. Awesome. Tiramisu. Yeah. Gosh, I could answer that question so quickly. Okay. Does pineapple belong on a pizza? Not I don't like pizza. You don't like pizza? You don't like pizza? I don't like pizza. I don't like pizza. Pineapple does not belong on my pizza, sorry. <laughs> I do like pizza. Pizza best, was all the soup group. Best shoes to wear on acute care? Closed toes. That's <laughs> very good. Yeah. I just fell in love with cloves. They're good. Cloves. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's our time. So you have to answer our last filling the blank. You know you work in acute care when? Go ahead, Chrissy. You can discuss what you want for lunch while you're doing peri care. <laughs> That's awesome. How do I top that? I, I would say you have a change of clothes because you're used to having your clothing soiled. 
Yeah. So not by herself, but by someone right. else. <laughs> right. Depends on the day sometimes. Depends on the day. We're trying to... <laughs> I have to say, as a, I, I'm just laughing because as an academic in physical therapy, also, we have driven people away from our table at lunch from discussing cadavers and wounds <laughs> and things like that. So it's, it's similar in clinical practice and in academia. Oh, yeah, that would not fly at my dinner table. My <laughs> husband would be like, please stop. My children no. grew up looking at wounds between my, me as a PT and someone who did tons of wound care and my husband who's a podiatrist and does limb salvage. They, even though my daughter's an art historian, she's like, show me the pictures. <laughs> Showing our nerdy acute care side. There you are. Well, if our listeners want to find either of you, where can they find you? My email is kstein1, so K-S-T-E-I-N, the number one, at hfshs.org. My email is fineb, F-E-I-N-B, at sacredheart.edu. I'm happy to hear from you. If there's anything Chrissy or I can answer about residency or fellowship education, we're here. That's great. That's Chrissy, great. Beverly, thank you so much. You know, October being PT month, it's so great to hear about the, the two care residency and just to kind of think about how far our profession has come along. We're at this level now that, man, we're just making leaps and bounds compared to even just 20 years ago, how much we're doing in the two care. So thank you so much for joining us today and giving us information about a two care residency. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. We'd like to thank Beverly and Chrissy for joining us today. Acute Conversations is the official podcast of APTA Acute Care. It is hosted by Leo Regulis and Ashley Poole. Executive produced by Katie Burrito and Edward Mathis. Music by Alexia Action from Pixabay. Sound effects also from Pixabay. For more information about APTA Acute Care, be sure to check out our show notes for links and resources from the Academy. If you found value from our podcast, please be sure to subscribe, follow, and share with your friends and colleagues. Join us in two weeks for a conversation with Chris Wilson, where we'll discuss palliative care and physical therapy, mutually exclusive or best practice. Thank you for listening, and may your shoes and scrubs stay clean today. They didn't plan that, that their last names would rhyme altogether. <laughs>